Okay, last Sunday, we talked about trusting and having faith in the Lord. And the key verse that I shared with you was, uh, is found in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 7, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your hearts, and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, we need to acknowledge Him, because what? He will direct our paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. We also discussed last Sunday that faith is the only thing that can please God. Because it says in... What happened? It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we also said that faith is the vehicle or the channel that makes everything possible, including our salvation. Amen? So I hope you learned something last Sunday. And this morning, we're going to continue with our theme on faith or salvation. If you ask people around where you're going, actually Pastor Insong made that that uh, teaching last time, where are you going? Many people just can't answer where they're going after, after this life here on earth. Okay, and this morning I'm going to show you a small video clip about that. life and when you pass away hopefully you've done everything right and the gate's going to be open by living very very well well i guess there's many ways I'm not totally sure how but i mean i have no idea i guess you just try to do your best and when you do something wrong you try to make it right or admit to it or at least you know try to make up for it and yeah um do a lot of praying, I think. Be a good citizen and a good Christian. Whew, how do you get to heaven? Um, my Christian beliefs say believing in Jesus. You get to heaven by believing in Jesus and doing the best you can to be a good person. And that's, that's my belief. By having a lot of faith and being, I guess, being a good person. And well, first of all, I lead a life to show that I am a Christian. Um, I have three daughters and a wonderful husband, and and my church family. We we talk with them and we share. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Want me to start with an easier question? No, I I can handle that. It's uh, by doing what's uh, right and just and. Um, I don't know. I think it's uh, something that's 
in your heart to to know what you should be doing and being uh, I guess strong enough to keep from doing those things that you shouldn't be doing. By well, not only by believing, but like first you have to believe, and then you have to accept Jesus Christ. You have to bring Him into your life, get baptized. You, but you can't. That's not the only. I mean, that's not all that you can do. You, you have to live your life according to God's word, and then I believe you'll get into heaven by doing that. I think you get to heaven by being a good person. Okay. By basically being a good person, you have to follow the word, follow um, what he teaches, and just basically treat everybody with the same respect that you would want to be treated with. Uh, by doing good and uh, having good moral values and believing in God. Um, by believing by being a true Christian. I think living each day um, with just, you know, keeping everything in mind and making sure that you don't do anything that is going to be out of control um, and just, you know, living it the way that you feel it's fit and, you know, believing in what you believe in and everything like that. And I think that gets you where you need to be. Um, you have to accept Jesus into your heart. Okay. Very tough question, right? And actually, the most difficult question is when you die, what's going to happen to you? Is there really heaven? Or it's just a myth? Okay, I want you to turn to your neighbor. Okay, and ask your neighbor, do you know where you're going when you die? I'll give you a minute. Okay, I see some faces. Some of them glow. Some of them are kind of confused. So, do we know where we're going if we die? How do we get to heaven? Okay, so our topic for this morning, I have entitled it as Less is More. And we're going to study the life of a person. Okay, and his name is Cornelius. Do you know Cornelius? Wow, you guys are so silent. Okay, so we will find out who Cornelius is. And I have asked the help of my friend Siri to help us with the Bible reading this morning. Hey, Siri, please open your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. Siri, please read Acts chapter 10. Now there is a man at Caesarea named Cornelius. <laughs> A centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all of his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw a vision, in a vision, an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius. And fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, 
Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He's staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel of, was, who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Okay, so who's Cornelius? Let me first describe what was the political climate at the time. The, the book of Acts, this was written, or the setting was when the Roman Empire has expanded his, its empire throughout the world. Um, this map will show you the one in, is it orange or pink? What do you see there? either pink or orange or whatever color it is, okay? If you can see, the Roman Empire has expanded all over the world, and they have divided it into the Western and the Eastern Empire. Now, they have placed several governors or emperors in each of the provinces that they control. Remember, during Jesus' time, they were already under the Roman Empire. And when Jesus ascended back into heaven, the disciples and the apostles were left here, and they continued the work of the ministry. And during that time, the Roman Empire is still expanding. Okay, and there was a man, his name is uh, Cornelius, he was a centurion. What is a centurion? A centurion is just like a captain of the army or the armed forces nowadays. A centurion leads a group of soldiers, approximately about 100 to 200. And the centurion is in command of this particular company. For you to become a centurion, you have to be battle-tested. For you to become a centurion, you have to have the characteristics of a good leader. What, is the, what are the characteristics of a good leader? They should be... They should be, should be knowledgeable of management. They should be able to lead people. They should be able to, uh, to execute and, and command a good people, a good band of people. So Cornelius was, was that person. He was battle-tested, and people respect him. And the Bible says that his household has high regard of Cornelius. So it tells us that Cornelius is not just an ordinary person. And what else? What does the Bible tell us? That the Bible tells us that Cornelius is a Gentile. What is a Gentile? A Gentile is a non-Jew. During those days, they recognize that the Jewish people think that they are the more superior race because they know that God has chosen them. And people who are non-Jews, they think they call them Gentiles. So Cornelius was a Gentile. Just like we, Americans, Filipinos, Chinese, were Gentiles according to the mindset of the Jewish community. So Cornelius was a Gentile. Second, the Bible says that he was a devout man. He was very religious. Because the Bible says that he prayed to God. He gives alms. 
Okay, how many, how many of you know people who are like that? They're prominent. Sometimes you can, you can see on the television, you can read in the newspaper that such so-and-so has donated part of his estate to the, to the homeless. Just like me, I look like homeless this morning. <laughs> right? Prominent people, they give much of their wealth to foundations. Probably Cornelius is like that. He was a good man. That's what the Bible describes. And probably we can say that Cornelius is a self-made man because he rose from the rank. For you to become a centurion, you have to be somebody. Just like in our military, when you start as a private, you now move to corporal, you become a sergeant, and eventually you become a lieutenant, you become a captain, and some people, they become generals. Cornelius was a centurion. In our common lingo now, he is the captain of the army. And the Bible says that he's also humble and obedient. We can see later as we go through the scripture that when the angel of the Lord told him to do something, he was quick. He obeyed. He did not complain. He followed what the angel told him. So we can see that Cornelius was obedient and he was um, humble. Even with his stature, okay, he followed what the angel told him. And we can also see that we can also see that the angel appeared to him. Okay, we read from the scripture that he was praying. And while he was praying, the angel appeared to him. And what did the angel told him? That he is to send somebody to Joppa. Joppa is about 30 miles from Caesarea where he he is living, and the instruction for him is to look for a person named Simon. Okay? And Simon lived by the sea. He lives with a person called Simon the Tanner. So we are introduced to another character, Simon the Tanner. What is a Tanner? The Tanner is the person that dyes the skin of the animals. Okay? So the angel appeared to Simon not to convert him from his religious beliefs, but the angel told him to go fetch Peter or Simon in the house of Simon the Tanner. Although Cornelius was a religious man, he continues to seek God. Probably he heard it from the people around him about God and that's where he started to believe that there was a God. And his belief in God caused him, caused him to become a devout believer of God. But there was a problem. He only knew God, but he did not know Jesus Christ. Okay, take note. He was a religious person. Probably some of us were very religious, right? We go to church every Sunday. We give a lot in the offering. We donate 
some of our wealth to less fortunate people, that's very good. So this is Cornelius. And we can also see that there's another character in the story. His name is Peter. He's Apostle Peter. And we will know what happened to Peter. I'd like to ask Siri again to help me. On the next day, as they were on their way in approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. But he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance. And he saw the sky opened up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four... Wait, Siri, wait. <laughs> I think I lost it. Okay, later I will call Alexa because Siri is not helping me out, okay? Oh, Siri, please read again. Oh, sorry. That's what you call technology. Okay, Siri. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. But he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a deep trance. And he saw the sky opened up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. A voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. Okay. So are you able to follow the story? You have Cornelius. He was praying. And while he was praying, an angel appeared to him and told him to send somebody to fetch Peter Okay, who lives in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. And immediately, Cornelius dispatched his servants to go fetch Peter in Joppa. And that's about 30 miles away from where he is. And the following day, while Peter was praying, he fell into a trance. And he saw in his vision a mantle or a blanket with several foods on top of it. If I were Peter, wow, nice food, right? But when Peter saw it, he said, yeah. But the angel told him, get up and eat. And what was his response? No, I'm not even going to touch that because those are unclean. 
Now you need to understand that in Leviticus chapter 11, God forbade the Israelites or the Jewish people not to touch anything that is unclean. What are these foods or animals that are unclean? These are the animals that have divided hoops or they chew the cud. The instruction for them is to eat only animals either they have a divided hoof okay what's a divided hoof if you look at the feet of the animals okay for those of you who are doing manicure and pedicure okay they are divided right so the instruction either they eat animals that have divided hoof or they chew the cud what's they chew the cud like the cow they eat the food, they eat the grass, and then they chew it out, and they, they chew again, and then they put it in their temporary stomach. Okay, the instruction was or, not end. That's why the Jewish people, or even the Muslim countries, they don't eat porks or pigs. Why? Because what does the pig do? Okay, those are unclean for them and behold there was this blanket it went down from heaven and Peter saw that and the instruction for him is to get up and eat for them it is an abomination to touch anything that was unclean so Peter said no no way I will not even touch that and the voice came out again three times and he said no and while peter was thinking about that the servants that cornelius sent to pick him up were already there and let's continue reading siri and calling out they were asking whether simon who was also called peter was staying there while peter was reflecting on the vision the spirit said to him behold Three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? So we can see that Peter was praying when this man came. He was praying. That was about 3 o'clock. Probably this is where we get the three o'clock habit. I do not know. Okay, it's just a guess. But he was praying. He was spending time with God. You know, for God to use us, it is really important that we spend quality time with the Lord. So the question really is, we as Christians, are we plugged in into the power of prayer? Because if we are connected, if we are connected to the power source, we will get the power that comes from God. As I mentioned last Sunday, there are three types of faith, general, in general terms, that I can see in the Bible. We have the gift of faith, we have the fruit of faith, and we have the measure of faith. You get the fruit of faith if you are always plugged in into the source. That's in John chapter 15, that if we abide in Him, 
we bear much fruit. And that's where the fruit of faith comes into play. So we can see that Peter, if you look at the book of Acts, Peter has been very instrumental in the spreading of the gospel. Why? Because God was able to use him. Because what? His prayer life is very good. Very good. So the challenge for all of us, do we want to be used by the Lord? If our answer is yes, then I would encourage you, spend quality time with the Lord. I've, there's a saying, sometimes we complain. Well, Pastor Ranch, I spend time, quality time with the Lord. I fall asleep because I don't hear from the Lord. We don't hear from the Lord when our Bibles are closed. Sometimes we complain that we don't hear from God. But the question is, have we ever opened our Bibles? Peter was up there in the rooftop praying. He was spending quality time with the Lord. You know, our relationship with God or communing with the Lord is not just giving or telling God what we want, but it is also hearing from the Lord. And the only time that we can hear from the Lord is through His Word, which is the Bible. Now, Siri, please continue. And on the next day, he got up and went away with them, and some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. On the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Wait, Siri. Take a look at this. Cornelius was expecting Peter to come. He has an expectant heart. And what else? What happened? He invited his friends. He invited his relatives. He was so excited. You see the devotion of Cornelius? Because of that joy, because of that devotion that he has before God, he was eager to share it with the people around him. He invited his friends. He invited his relatives. And sometimes that's the challenge to each and every one of us. We've been in church, we've been a Christian for quite some time, and yet we have not even invited our relatives to come to faith in Christ. Unlike Cornelius, he was not ashamed. He was eager, he was enthusiastic to share the good news. It's not even the good news. It's his religion that he'd like to share with his friends and relatives. Continue, Siri. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up, saying, Stand up. I, too, am just a man. And he talked with him. As he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Okay. You see, the Jewish people are not even allowed to mingle with the Gentiles. They're not even allowed to associate themselves with they call sinners. They think highly of themselves. They think that they are the best race that God has created. It is true that they were the chosen people. 
But for them, if you are not a Jew, I'm not even allowed to associate with you. And that was why when Peter fell into the trance and he saw those four-footed animals and foods that they are not allowed to eat, he does not even want to touch them. Why? Because they are unclean. Okay, Siri, let's continue. That is why I came without, ease, without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I ask for what reason you have sent for me. Okay, most of the time, the problem with a lot of Christians, we have preconceived ideas about certain people. I, I think it's just me. Sometimes when we wanted to share the love of God to other people, we just choose. I think that guy does not need the Lord because, you know, he's wearing coat and tie. And sometimes, oh, I will not share the good news to my boss or to my office mates. I will only share it to the Filipinos. That was their mentality. I remember my wife was telling me they have, she has a relative who pastors a church somewhere in New York. And one time, the pastor was talking to their board members about how they're going to expand and try to reach out to their community. Sad to say, they told the pastor, no. This is a family church, and we only invite our relatives. There are religious sects that are like that. They're very exclusive. For them, church is becoming like a club. If you don't belong to this church, I'm sorry, you will not go to heaven. If you don't belong to the church of, I'm sorry, you will not go to heaven. You have to be part of us to be saved. You have to believe in our books for you to be saved. And if you don't, we're going to kill you. Isn't that what's happening right now? We are very exclusive, okay? and we just don't want to expand our horizon and let other people feel the grace of God that we have received. Let's continue. Okay, so when Peter entered the house of, of Cornelius, what did he saw? He saw a lot of people, Gentiles. Okay, and what happened? The Gentiles heard the gospel. Siri, please continue. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. Okay, God does not want to show partiality. Whether you are black, you're white, you're yellow, you're, wh you're whatever color you have, you're green, if there is such a thing as green, you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, 
Okay? God does not show partiality. Okay, continue, Siri. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17, the Lord says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. Aren't you glad that God is a God of the whole nations and He does not show partiality? Aren't you glad that God cannot be bribed? Even if you sometimes you wanted to bribe the Lord? Oh Lord, I went to church. Bless me, Lord, because I went to church. Oh Lord, I gave my tithe. Lord, I expect that you're going to give me a million dollars. Lord, I serve you. And you know, sometimes that's our attitude, right? And it's very subtle. Bribing God is not only in terms of money. Sometimes, very subtly, we bribe God. God, you need to bless me because I did this. I did that. Again, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, it says, First of all, then, I urge you that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, God wants all of us to be saved. Whether you, are, you live here in America, whether you live in China, God wants all men to be saved. So it is not true that God is just choosing people whom He will save. But it is His desire that all men come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you go back, if you look at the life of Cornelius, Cornelius was a very religious person. But being religious is not, it's not enough. Even if you're a prayerful person, you don't stop praying. You see some people, even when they are on the subway, they are praying. Even if you do that, and you don't have that relationship with God, relationship with Jesus, your tradition or what you're doing is nothing. The life of Cornelius, you will see that he's being religious. And yet, what was God's desire? For him to be saved. And because of that, God sent the angel to tell Cornelius to go see Peter, to invite Peter into his house. You know, God is a sovereign God. God will always make a way for you and me to come to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He will always give opportunity for all of us. If you recall last Sunday, I showed you the video 
that person was crossing the street. He was an atheist. And before he died, God opened the opportunity for him to have that personal relationship with the Lord. I remember I was reading an article about Steve Jobs. Before he died, he was telling his relatives around him in his dying bed, you see, oh, what a great place. What a beautiful scenery. You know, he grew up in a Christian environment. But probably because of the love of money, the love of fame, the love of wealth, he drifted away from the Lord. And on his dying bed, God opened the opportunity for him to go back. God will always make a way for us to have that experience or to have that chance to know Him as our Lord and Savior. So God has elected all of us to be part of His family. That's why it says here that it is His desire that all men are to be saved. And further in John chapter 12, verses 32 to 33, it reads, And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was about to die. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, what does it mean? As Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, Jesus was saying, if I am lifted up, lifted up on that cruel cross. And when he was lifted up on that cruel cross, the Bible says that that was the signal that God is trying to bring all men to him. Why? Because it is his desire, it is his will that we get to have that relationship with the Lord. No matter what we are doing, no matter what our status in life, that's nothing unless we have that relationship or we are saved by the blood of Jesus. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23, God says, Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked? declares the Lord God. Rather than that, he should turn from his ways and live. So it is very clear here that God feels bad. Okay, He does not find pleasure if a wicked dies without that person getting to know him as his personal Lord and Savior. So think about our friends. Think about the people around us. Some of them are dying, they are lost. And didn't you know that it is not, God is not pleased with that? Why? Because it is his desire for them to be saved. Continue, Siri, please. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. Okay. The word which is sent to the sons of Israel, 
preaching peace. What is that peace? Peace is reconciliation between man and God. The Bible says that we were once enemies of God. Why? Because of our sins. Because of our wickedness. God is a holy God and He takes no pleasure in sinful ways. That's why we were enemies of God. And because He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who walked on this earth, preaching peace. What is that peace? Preaching reconciliation between God and man. A holy God stooped down. He sent His only begotten Son so that you and me can be saved. And it says that if He is lifted up, the moment Jesus said, it is finished, salvation becomes ours. Amen? Continue, Siri. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And now he went about doing good and, he and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him by death by hanging on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he became visible. When Peter entered the house of Simon, Peter started to share the gospel to the Gentiles. And what is the gospel? Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. And he raised from the third day. Note the sequence of salvation. Cornelius was a devout man. He was good. He was good. He was very prayerful. Unfortunately, that was not enough. And what happened? Why did God send Peter to the house of Cornelius so that he can preach the gospel? Salvation comes after hearing the gospel. Salvation comes after hearing the gospel. Okay. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of the Lord is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Bible is the word of God. Do you agree or disagree? Do you really agree? Okay. So why is it that most of us are not reading the Bible? Ah, no, it's not here. Those people outside, right? The word of God is alive. The word of God per se is the Logos word of God. It is the written word of God. 
unless that Logos word becomes the rhema word of God, faith will not come in. Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing. If you go back to the Greek, the word word is rhema. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the rhema word of God. How does the Logos word of God become the rhema word of God? It is only possible through the intervention of the Holy Spirit. Without the intervention of the Holy Spirit, that Logos word of God is just the Bible. Didn't you notice sometimes when you read the Bible, it's just, eh, nothing. Right? But when the rhema word of God strikes you, even the verse that says, and Jesus wept, tears will start to flow down your, your eyes. Because that happened to me. Jesus wept, wept a very simple passage in the Bible. But one time the Holy Spirit intervened. And the Holy Spirit talked to me. Don't you know that every time you go through certain situations in life, Jesus weeps. You see, it's a very simple passage in the scripture, Jesus wept. But the moment that scripture is touched by the Holy Spirit, that scripture, the Holy Spirit imparts into our lives It becomes alive. Let me ask you, how do you know that you are saved? How do, know, how do you know you are saved? How do you know? I heard somebody, I accepted Jesus Christ. How do you know? How do you know? Jesus lives? How do you know that Jesus lives? How do you know? Because of what? Because of my faith? How do you know? Some will say, because the Bible says so, that if I receive him, he gave me the power to become sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. How do you know? Yeah, it's the truth. But how do you know? You know and you know because the Spirit of God bears witness in our spirit. The Logos Word of God, the Spirit bears witness our, in our spirit. That's why the book of Psalms says we need to protect the heart. Because from the heart, that's the spirit. That's where the word of God is planted in our hearts. So you follow the sequence? It's just the Logos word. It's just the word of God. And the spirit intervenes. 
And the moment the Holy Spirit of God intervenes in our lives, that Logos word becomes a rhema. And when that rhema word of God becomes alive in our heart, faith builds in our hearts. That's why earlier I'm encouraging you, spend time with the Lord. Why? Because every time you spend time with the Lord, that word of God, okay, makes or builds that faith in us. And if we don't do that, what happens? The faith becomes weak. And once the faith is weak, that's where sin starts to creep in into our hearts. Do you want to live a victorious Christian life? All of us want. We want to sin less. And what is the key? Faith. Faith. What is the key? What is the key? The Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God is very powerful. It is alive. It can penetrate through our hearts. That's why I encourage all of us that when we read the Word of God, let us always ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate what we are reading. Because apart from the Holy Spirit, we cannot understand what we are reading. And if we cannot understand it, what happens? It's just like another novel that we read. Amen? Okay, Siri, please continue. Of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Okay, everyone who what? Who believes in him. Believes in Greek is pesteo. If you translate that in English, but there is no English word for that, it's called faithing, meaning application of faith. When you believe, you apply faith. And that faith is the gift of God to us. And it can only be acquired when that Logos Word of God becomes rhema in our hearts. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. So there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. That's why in the life of Cornelius, even though he's very religious, God orchestrated for him to hear the gospel. God orchestrated for him to bring his relatives and friends into his house so that the Gentiles can hear the gospel. That is the very reason why the gospel has spread tremendously starting in the book of Acts. In, in Romans chapter 1, 16 through 17, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation 
So it is the gospel that gives power for us to, to have salvation to everyone, again, who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, meaning our faith grows. It starts from salvation. As it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. Because if we go back to Romans, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is only faith that can please God. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9, 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. And as I shared with you last Sunday, the word confess in Greek means saying the rhema word of God. That rhema word of God is the word of God that is alive in us. Salvation is being offered to us for free. The video earlier showed us that many people don't understand how it is to be saved. Many people don't understand how to get to heaven. They have 101 answers. Some of them, I need to pray more. Some of them, I need to be good. I need to be good to my family. Some even say, well, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and do this, do that, etc., so on and so forth. None of the answers are correct because the Bible says that it is only by faith that we can have salvation. It, on, it is only by faith and nothing else. The problem is salvation is very clear, very simple, and yet we complicate it. We don't get faith by just reading the Bible and get some education from, from a theological seminary. We get faith by reading the Word of God with the illumination of the Holy Spirit. That's where we build our faith. Some people study the Bible just to debate. When we read the Bible, we need to look for Jesus. Because the Bible is only focused on Jesus and no one else. And apart from Jesus, apart from the name of Jesus, there is no salvation. Salvation is simple. And yet, we complicate it. Simple enough that we make it difficult for us to understand. Simple enough that many people argue about it. And sad to say, even people who are inside the church still cannot comprehend that it is only by faith and not works. Why? Because we cannot bribe God. Going to heaven is 
between you and the Lord. My role is simply to introduce you to God. We might have continuously rejected Him. We've been going to church for quite some time. Probably we came from a Christian family. We're very religious. They're very good. Unfortunately, if we continue to insist that my salvation is based on what I am doing, you know what? We are just like spitting the face of Jesus. Because we are telling him that the price he paid on the cross is not enough for our salvation. We might have studied the Bible. We might even memorize it from cover to cover. But it's not alive in us. Because for us, the Word of God is just another novel, another textbook, another way of learning religion. The religion cannot save us. Even if you attend D group, you join Bible study, CCF cannot save you. So I think it's about time that we examine ourselves. Do we continue to struggle about our salvation? Do we continue to struggle to find how we can please God on our own effort? We just can't. Because we always fall short of God's glory. Some of us here might not, I do not know your spiritual condition. There might be some people watching over us in, 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 in the internet or in Facebook who have not known Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I would like to encourage you. Let's seek God. For by faith, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, because we cannot boast before God. It is a gift that is freely being offered to us. We might be going to church for quite some time, and yet we struggle to do good. Because the devil is always condemning us that if we don't do good, we will lose our salvation, we will go to hell. That is a lie. Because the Bible says that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No matter what your past is, no matter what you have done earlier, it is only the blood of Jesus that can save us. Our role is simply to respond to the offer to the gift that God is offering us. It is free. You don't have to work for it.
And if it is the desire of your heart, you can always pray from your heart. There is nothing magical with the sinner's prayer. It is just a term that we popularly use. The most important thing is you respond to the offer that God is giving us. You can pray a prayer something like this, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and that I acknowledge that apart from you, I cannot save myself. I accept your offer, your gift of salvation. And thank you for dying on the cross for me. I pray, Lord, that you will save me from my sins. And from now on, you will be the Lord of my life. That's a simple prayer. Probably you have more complicated prayer than that. Or probably you cannot even compose your prayer. Remember, God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. So if you prayed that prayer of faith, you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. In the book of Revelations, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. It is God's desire to have fellowship with you. It is God's desire to have intimacy with you. It is God's desire to have that intimate relationship with you. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your words. We know your words, Lord God, are powerful. They are alive. Lord, I pray for those who have heard these words, that they will not just be mere message, but it will sink down in our hearts, that it will grow and bear fruit. I pray for those who have received you as their personal Lord and Savior. It is my prayer and desire that their faith will grow as they continue with you. For those who are watching over the internet, Lord, we know that you are not bounded by time and space. Wherever they are, Father, you can reach out and embrace them with your love and grace. Thank you, Father, and we commit everything into your hands. Lord, we ask that you will release your blessing and favor upon each and every one of us this week. And it is my prayer that we will become a light and salt to the people around us. The people around us will see your goodness, will see your grace, and they will be attracted to our Christian life so that our lives will give glory to your name and so that we can share the gospel to them. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, Pastor Insong, do you have something? Ah, yeah. Okay, questions to ponder that we can discuss during the week in our Bible studies or in our family discussions.
Have you ever found yourself working your way to salvation through means other than what the Bible says and why? And do you ever find it difficult to trust God through the authority of the Bible? Why or why not? 